Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hey, Squirrel. So we've got a listener question, one of our favorite uh, ways to lead into a topic, and it's also directly from our learning series, which we've been doing. So uh, if you like learning, there's more here. If you don't like learning, there's uh, something different in next week's episode. So we've got something for everybody. And it looks like the question is from our old friend, Johnny Bradshaw. Both you and I worked with Johnny some years ago, Jeffrey. And Johnny asks, how should teams reconcile the perceived conflict between learning quickly stroke agile and planning appropriately stroke architecture? Is there even a conflict? What do you think? Uh, well, I think this is a great question. And I really like it because I think it gets to some of the um, misconceptions of, of agile that a lot of people have that does definitely get in the way of people being successful. So um, if this is certainly something if you if you come across people who feel like this is a conflict, then the, this is a, a it will help you troubleshoot it. The short version is, is there even a conflict? And I think the answer is no. Um, it, there's there's not a conflict, uh, but the with the conflict comes is people's perception of what these things are, about what it means to plan appropriately, about what agile means. And um, it's the, those misperceptions that are behind it. One of our favorite ideas is that it's important to agree on what important words mean. And <laughs> I think agreeing on what they mean is useful. Because I think if you define these words in a way that's different to how you and I might, Jeffrey, then you might believe there is a conflict. Oh, that's right. And in particular, I think the idea that, um, that Agile is in conflict with uh, architecture is a, a very, very old um, problem, a misconception. Um, in the early days, people would talk about, was Agile just an excuse for cowboy coding? For let's just sit down and throw a card on the wall. And, and, and be, we say that we're Agile because we have failed to plan. We're, we're, <laughs> we're Agile um, be, be, because we haven't done any preparation work or because we're not doing architecture. That's what makes us Agile. And um, it, it, I really think that nothing could be further from the truth. If we look at the people who were very early in the days of Agile, they, there were people who actually were very big on OO design in the 90s. That's where a lot of them came from. I, I think Beck was doing that, and Coburn and others. Yeah, absolutely. And they were people who um, were actually kind of specialists in design and architecture. That was one of their great passions. And um, when they went and developed Agile, it wasn't a way of walking away from design and architecture. It was a way of really bringing it to life, of getting more uh, value out of it. So actually, it ends up being one of those things that uh, architecture remains very important. And I was thinking about why it is that people um, come to this sort of conception that there is a conflict. And I think it has to do with some of the uh, change in context over time. And I know this is something we've talked about before, but when, when we're, we're moving from a world with design phases, you know, or, or more generally, a phased approach to architecture where we can say, all right, we're going to do our architecture phase and then our design phase and then our, you know, planning phase and then our, and basically stretch things out and have maybe a, a six or nine month architecture phase. And, and when you're in that world and people say, you know, we, we shouldn't do big upfront design, they, they have a particular thought in mind. When we move to today's world where people might be um, releasing uh, uh, every month or uh, every fortnight or every week or every day, when you say, let's not do big upfront design, it doesn't mean the same thing, right? <laughs> if, if you weren't, if you, if the, the difference between a six month 
design phase and a one-month release phase, these are really different worlds. Um, so I think it's this sort of some of the, the, the quotes and rhetoric from sort of very early days of Agile that were set in a very different context that lead people to believe that there is um, some sort of, of conflict. Uh, I, I, I try to convince people, look, if you're getting up and talking at a whiteboard with two of you for 15 minutes before you get started, that is in no way does that uh, qualify as big upfront design. Absolutely. And I, I often see people saying, well, Squirrel, you're telling us to try to release every day. How would I do architecture in that case? I mean, what I want to do is to go away for maybe not 15 minutes at a whiteboard, but I do want to have maybe half a day of uh, design thinking. And of course, design also means something different to us. Let me come back to that. These days, design has, has evolved as well. But I want to do um, uh, design of our software uh, backend code, kind of OO design types of things. And I want to do that uh, for, for, say, half a day. What would, what would your view be on that? If, I, if I'm trying to release daily, can I spend half a day on that activity? Can I spend a day on that activity? I, I think so. I mean, it really depends on what, what's, the, what's the payoff that you think you're getting. And sort of the question is, the motivation question is, is why? Mm -hmm. Now, um, if it's just, um, I think every time we do it, it's worth half a day and it's sort of routine, that might be suspect. But if you say it's something like, well, you know, this is a, why I noticed that we tend to have this pattern that I don't think we handle very well. And if we had a better approach, then I think there'd be a big payoff. Well, that might be worth not just half a day, but maybe a week. <laughs> you know, really, mm -hmm. re really, if you've identified something that's important, spend the time and get it right. Um, it, but if it's just a habitual thing of, you know, well, if, you know, if you're not spending at least a, a, a day on it, then you're not really doing architecture, then I don't think so. It's really about scaling your, your effort to what you're uh, what you're doing, which I think is, is relevant to this learning quickly. It's really the idea of we're talking about learning, which is about adapting what we're doing um, based on experience. And I think the challenge that I'd put to somebody who wants to spend a week creating some architecture is twofold. I'd say, first of all, definitely if you're going to be in an environment like I try to create where people are producing value every day, I'm going to want you to break it up in an elephant carpaccio kind of way. We've talked about that before. Link in the show notes if you haven't heard of it before. And, and if you're going to do that, if you're going to break it up so that you have progress every day, then I'm going to look for that progress to be valuable. The other thing I'm going to ask you to do is, can you spread it out while you're still creating a, a different type of value, creating value that is direct to the customer? So the first one might look like, uh, well, the, on the first day I have a system diagram, on the second day I have a um, skeleton for the new way of writing uh, integrations, on the third day I have our existing most complex integration or sorry, our simplest integration working that way. On the fourth day, I have something that helps me get toward our most complex integration. On the fifth day, I have a straw man for that. I, I made that up as I went, but something like that. So you're providing something visible and valuable every day, not going into a corner and just working for a week. And then, oops, sorry, I need another week. And you're 90% <laughs> done for six, six months. That, that's the, the, the anti-pattern that I'd want to avoid. And the second one would look something like, well, I want to reshape how we do integrations. So the next time we do one, 
I'm going to create a system diagram for it before, and as we release each piece, I'm going to build it the new way. And I'm going to take a day at the beginning of that three-week-long activity and uh, create that system diagram to help me uh, with delivering value each day in the normal way while I create the architecture. Um, I think that's what the second one is what Beck would have called uh, just-in-time design, but he didn't quite mean design the way we do today, which I want to come back to. But I'm curious what you think about those two approaches, Jeffrey. Well, I, I, I think they're really interesting. I think uh, in particular, uh, what it reminds me of is you quoting Beck, which puts me in mind of it, in, in Extreme Programming Explain 1.0, he talked about how every process is designed to reflect the fear of the author. <laughs> and uh, I, what I liked about your example, especially in the first case where you talked about you would want someone to have visible progress every day, you ended with what your fear was. Mm -hmm. uh, if, we, if we invert the order of what you said, you can say, well, what I'm really nervous about, probably because you've experienced it before, is people say, I'm going to go work a week on this. And at the end of the week, they're not done. Uh, and then they need another week. And this continues. And the people outside that person in their head really don't have any way of knowing what progress is being made and, and are we actually converging to something. Was that accurate about what your fear is? It absolutely is, and that's often what would happen and still does happen with people who do the, the old-style big design up front where they spend a, a week or a month or uh, six months coming up with some amazing pie-in-the-sky architecture, and you have that great story from the team that went and did that, and then the software didn't even work, and it wasn't <laughs> what people wanted. Um, so when you let it extend that long, you run into real problems because you're not getting any feedback. You, you miss all the principles we've talked about so much about uh, uh, getting feedback and uh, understanding if you're on track. Right. So if I, if I were to bring in sort of the principles of joint design here, and you might say, on the one hand, the person's like, well, I need, I need um, enough time to get my head around the problem. I need to really be able to think it through. And it's just too big for me to do it once. And then you might say, well, great. Well, how can we know that there's progress? I can imagine you might end up coming up and designing some checkpoints uh, or artifacts or something that would let you say, yes, we're making progress. I, I think that's, I think these two things are compatible. Um, and it's uh, that uh, you, you can have these, these interests that uh, on both sides and find a way through them. And the, the question comes back to is, are we making an investment that's proportionate to what our hopeful games are. And there's, I don't like to necessarily put a hard limit on how much we're willing to invest, depending on what the gains are. If we're going to get huge gains, well, then it might be worth a week or two weeks even of, of, mm -hmm. of not writing any code at all. Squirrel, I'm going <laughs> to say yep. that, 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 could, that could be. But I would want us to have a shared understanding that it is worth that time, number one. And number two, are we how are we making progress? I really like that idea of what's the what's the test. And uh, an example might be, um, maybe we're not getting around to writing code, but uh, having come up with some thoughts on the design, I then share it with other people, get their feedback. We, we talk it through in a whiteboard session. And if that if people are I'm able to transmit the ideas and they agree, then that's that's a, that's a, a checkpoint. That's something we have something visible. And then we might go back and look at a past case and say, well, how would we have applied it? How do we feel about that? And then we might try sort of a toy system and build out incrementally. So I, I really liked that you were you had the steps and you, the idea of, of a sort of incremental delivery of value, even with architecture, based on what your fear was. Because if we start with that fear, now people can be creative and come up with different ways to meet it. Absolutely.
and uh, I, in fact, listed two ways of doing it, and we'd love to hear from listeners about any others. There's uh, one other thing I did want to touch on. I have the feeling, maybe you don't have this feeling, Jeffrey, I don't know, that some of our listeners, when they hear design, they may not think about object-oriented design. I remember how prevalent that was. Um, I remember we used to all draw UML diagrams. Do you remember that, Jeffrey? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That, that was a big part of writing server-side software, and I see it an awful lot less these days. I'm not quite sure why that is. But it doesn't mean that people aren't thinking about it, but maybe the patterns have become more common. I'm not sure. But design has come in my world, at least, to mean much more user-focused activities. So things like uh, user research, user experience design, writing flows. Uh, we have people who make beautiful front-end interfaces and describe how apps will work and how users will interact with them. And that's, I think, a, a little bit different but probably has a similar character to the design that maybe Johnny's thinking about when he talks about architecture and certainly seems different to me than what Beck had in mind when he said, do your, do your design just in time or, or, or um, as you go. What do you think about that? Uh, I think that's definitely true. I think it's been a very positive change uh, in software. They uh, improved uh, focus on uh, user interaction, user experience, uh, ISMIT has really come to the fore uh, since you know 2001 when the Agile Manifesto was was written, and I think that's been a, a huge win for users. It it does. I agree. It has kind of uh, eaten up the word design to to now is is really all about the user centric things and not about the software. There might be rare exceptions. Maybe your practitioners of DDD domain driven design uh, might be one of the sort of rare. Uh, uh, technical holdouts where where people commonly use design in a sort of more uh, software architecture or software design. Uh, and I, I, one of the elements that goes with that at the same time has been maybe agile has been one of those forces that have, have changed the vocabulary in part because without the design phase in software, people have become less conversant with it as a discipline. It's It's, it's less discussed on the software side so and it's more discussed on the uh, human factor side and so that the, the uh, usage of the term is, has shifted I think pretty close to entirely and I think part of the reason even goes back to Johnny's question which is the idea um, that because people are focused simply on, on releasing quickly they have have um, in a sense maybe this, maybe this is a victory they've stopped seeing software design as a distinct thing one of the goals in say XP was say, you know, architecture is so important. We do it every day. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is a case in a, in a perfect world. This is a case where um, it's actually the, the triumph of, of that view and of that architecture and design are just part of coding. They're part of how you do your work. There's no need to call them out as a separate activity. I, I would like to think that's the case. I'm, I, I'm not, I don't really trust that it is. Um, I, I, when I think it's probably one of those uh, situations where, uh, for some people, probably the most design and architecture folks people, it probably is true. They've they just have incorporated in their practice, and the people who are uh, least aware of the principles of design and architecture, uh, it's probably not true. Uh, and so we have this sort of um, bimodal distribution, this gap between people who see uh, and have the the skills and mindset to make uh, architecture and design a constant part of what they do, and other people who. Um, maybe see it as someone else's problem. <laughs> yes. 
And that's an interesting challenge that I think we may want to pick up in a future episode. We'd love it if a listener had a question or a, a direction for us, or, or if people told us that this was an interesting area. I think we could talk for a whole episode, and we're out of time for this one. Uh, we could talk for a whole episode about why and how design should fit into an agile process, design in this user-centric sense. So if it takes me two weeks to get a user into the lab so that they can go and try my app, how does that fit into some form of daily delivery? If I have to create a flow in order to help front-end designers to create a, a series of screens, they can release the screens individually, but how do I do my part? That's a question I often get, and I, I think we're out of time for an answer, but I, I'm going to add that to our, our long backlog of possible <laughs> topics. Yes. I, I, thought I'm, I thought I might close, though, with uh, a little story that illustrates um, both the challenges of architectural design, the OO design, like we've been talking about, and uh, user experience design. And that's a client who I will uh, obscure a little bit. They wanted to test whether people were interested in a particular feature, a feature that involved some video. And they realized that doing all the design and the work and the iterative releases and so on to create these videos that people might watch was going to be a significant investment. So they did a wonderful job of iterating and of getting feedback from customers very quickly. What they did is they sent a text message to all of their users for a single day, all of their new prospects. And they said, would you like a video? Click here. <laughs> and Jeffrey, I think you know the end of this story. When you click there, you got a 404 page that said, we don't have a video. The designers went ballistic. And they said, and this is designers in the user experience sense, that we haven't given any sense that this is a terrible experience. It's going to turn off all these users. This is awful. Uh, the people who actually were going to create the video and who would benefit from eventually the sales boost from having it, they thought, were really, really interested in the fact that 80% of those users on that day clicked the button. And the uh, developers were, were actually on reflection kind of calm about the notion that this hadn't been carefully thought through or designed. And I think that's mostly because they knew they'd throw it away after a day. So the, the, the lines of code that actually sent the SMS message were, were, were going to live for 24 hours. So great investment in their design wasn't wasn't worth it. So I think that's an interesting story to close with. It, it gives all the elements, and I, I think we haven't quite covered what, what we do with those very interesting, very valuable folks who, who might want to do the user experience design. We'll, we'll pick that up in a future episode. All right. If I can, just uh, coming back to Johnny then, uh, I'm looking forward to that user experience one. Um, so hopefully with, with our discussion of sort of the, the principles of um, making appropriate investment and know that we're making progress, we can answer you know, his question pretty directly. You know, how should teams reconcile the perceived conflict between learning quickly and agile and, uh, or slash agile uh, versus planning appropriately slash architecture? Is there a conflict? Our view is no. It's really just about making sure that you are uh, clear about your reasons for the investment you're making in planning. Uh, that you are um, making sure that you're trying to stage it as much as possible to get value and that you um, have been creative about how you can be testing the the plans and architecture that you are making uh, earlier rather than trying to make the best possible ultimate plan or best possible ultimate architecture, um, but have it all be sort of fiction and in the future as opposed to something that you are able to test and 
and deliver sooner. Is that a fair fair summary for Johnny? It absolutely is. And Johnny can tell us if we actually helped him using joint design and his fingers on Twitter, or he can go to troubleshootingagile.com, as can all of our listeners. Drop us an email. That's the best way to get our attention and uh, suggest another topic, or indeed let us know that UX design would be uh, something that we'd like to hear about in the future. Excellent. Well, thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Grom. Thanks, Grom.